Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Kodo listeners. This is Matt Hoish from the Kodo News Team. Thank you, as always, for tuning in on this lovely Tuesday evening. Um, tonight, we are going to be chatting about a topic that can be hard to talk about at times, um, but it's also so, so, so important that we do talk about it because talking about it often can be a big part of preventing it. And that issue is suicide. And it's something that you know, unfortunately has affected a lot of people in our communities, probably some of you listening right now. And September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness and Recovery Month. So we are going to spend off the record tonight having this hard but necessary um, discussion. And before we start, I do want to give out just a couple of telephone numbers we always like to attach with these conversations. The Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, one 800 273 8255. There's also the Colorado Crisis and Support Line, 1-844-493-TALK, 1-844-493-8255. And both those numbers are available 24-7 in English and Spanish. Again, 24-7 in English and Spanish. And if you missed any of those, we'll mention them again toward the end of the program. So don't worry. And I want to welcome our two wonderful guests who are joining us for this conversation. We have with us in studio Corinne Cavender, Behavioral Health Operations Coordinator for Tri-County Health Network, and Mandy Miller, a licensed professional counselor who has a local private practice in the region. Both of you, thank you, as always, for joining. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, Starting off, I'm just curious for each of you, if you can just talk a bit about how you got into this work around behavioral health, around suicide, just around mental health um, in general. And Mandy, we'll start with you. Well, mine started pretty early on. Um, I grew up in Littleton and was very close to the Columbine tragedy and knew when that went down um, that I needed to work in mental health. So I actually made a goal when I was, I think, 16 or 17 that I was going to go to grad school and and do it all. So I I really dedicated myself from from a teenager and I knew that I wanted to work primarily with teens. So I started my career working in the corrections world with juveniles, so with violent offenders and sex offenders that are teens, mm-hmm. um, really wanting to lean in to try and prevent some of that violence work. Um, and then worked for most of my career in Denver, kind of running larger facilities, hospital settings, intense settings for families and teens, and then moved here to be director of San Miguel Resource Center, our domestic violence sexual assault crisis center. So now I'm in private practice and love my work. I keep looking over at Corinne because we, we, we like adore each other. We adore <laughs> each other's work. So Corinne, tell us your story. <laughs> well, that was awesome, Andy. And yeah, it's fun to be in here with you. I feel like we normally see each other in a Zoom screen. So, um, but yeah, I got into this work. I actually moved to Telluride after college. I went to school in Michigan and was in AmeriCorps Vista for Tri-County Health Network. I was actually doing marketing. And right when I moved here, I believe it was the month I got here, actually, I lost a friend to suicide. Um, his name is Manit, and he was my brother's best college friend. And it was kind of this perfect storm of Tri-County having these mental health awareness and advocacy programs that I just really fell in love with. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, our suicide prevention walk. Um, you know, this loss happened right before um, we helped with that walk. So I just kind of felt like it was this natural calling that I feel like everyone <laughs> hopes they have that I got 
lucky slash unlucky to have. Um, but now kind of like Mandy, just feeling called to stay in the work. I just really feel like I can't do anything else. Like I have to be um, an advocate and I have to keep these mental health conversations going. So yeah, and I love the work I do. I love being able to work with people like Mandy and kind of this brain trust of genius clinicians in the county. So yeah, that's how I got here. And the fun part now, Corinne and we go to dinner parties or we go to festivals and people come up to us and want to talk about mental yeah. health. Like I was begging for a job when I got out of grad school. Like we were not welcome at the table. We, mm. were, we were not talking with the medical world or the, the prison world as much. And now it's, we, I mean, and, and especially in this community and a lot of, a lot of um, credit goes to Tri-County for destigmatizing it, that folks are not just seeking counseling, they're seeking to have deeper conversations about mental health. Absolutely. Mm. It's so remarkable to me, I think, the, the, the sea changes that we've seen just even in the last few years in terms of seeing behavioral health differently, thinking about these issues um, differently. It's really remarkable. Um, listeners, as always, it's off the record. You can call in if you have a question or a comment. 970-728-4333. Again, 970-728-4333 if you have a question for either Corinne or Mandy. Throwing this out for either of you to throw with any thoughts you have, um, what are just some general misconceptions you think people have about suicide, talking about suicide, just the, the topic in general? So I teach a suicide prevention class. It's called Safe Talk. We actually have one coming up in Telluride on the 21st, and then we still have spaces, so shameless plug to join me there. Um, but a lot of what I see is that, one, that you can't say the word suicide, or that just like talking about it is gonna put that idea in someone's head, which isn't true. So if I say, hey, if someone says to me, hey, Corinne, are you thinking of suicide? It's not gonna be all of a sudden where I am like, oh, I've never thought of that before. Maybe I'll consider it. Normally asking that question, if that person is thinking about it, opens the door to actually have a conversation and get that person help. Another one too that I'm really big on is um, the word committed suicide. So mm -hmm. we don't want to say someone committed suicide because you commit crimes, you commit sins. It's associated with kind of a negative action where like you don't say someone committed cancer. So someone died from suicide or they killed themselves or just naming it for what it is. Mm. Yeah, and I see a lot around, um, we want to label somebody as suicidal or not suicidal. And we don't talk a lot about that that can be a spectrum that can change for people throughout the day, depending on circumstances. So, so maybe today I lost a relationship and I got in a fight with my boss and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That bumps up my risk for wanting to, to do something high risk, such as suicide or getting naked wasted or you know, all <laughs> different kinds of things. So, I mean, kind of my soapbox and in all the work that I've done working with folks that do choose to do really high risk things is us learning how to assess our own risk. What does it look like for me to be low risk, medium risk, and high risk? And like I said, that can change depending on a time of year, depending on a season. That can that can change depending on circumstances. Um, it can it can change if maybe I'm triggered by something that's happened in the community that might make me remember something going on with me. So it's a spectrum. Um, and when we when we tend to talk about suicide, we talk about those that are suicidal, and then those over here that are totally stable. Well, guess what? We're all we all fall somewhere between a wide spectrum, and we need to be able to talk about all of the different kinds of risky things that we might be thinking or thinking about doing. Mm. You both um, you both lean into these conversations that I think a lot of people struggle to lean into sometimes to talk about these issues very openly. As you said, Mandy, a lot of people just come up to you and talk about it. Um, in your experiences, I mean, is there a specific demographic that you find is, I don't know, more prone to suicidal thoughts or more open to talking about suicide or just a, a 
specific demographic it applies to, or is it in your experience just a more general thing that doesn't really apply to one age or gender or, or, or any group of people for both of you? So the way I look at this is there's, you can study, you know, what factors are going to increase the risk of suicide or at any given time, what populations are more likely to have suicidal thoughts. But as community members, it's not up to us to really on a day-to-day basis know those groups of people because one, they change all the time and two, it crosses over every type of socioeconomic boundaries, um, racial, um, ethnic, all that kind of thing, um, where if you're thinking about the demographics of suicide, you're going to miss the people who fall outside of that, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. really, as um, what we teach in the Safe Talk classes, you want to be alert to anyone who's who might be thinking of suicide and not necessarily being like, oh, Corinne's a 23-year-old white female. She's less likely to be thinking of suicide mm-hmm. than this person on the street. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like there's reasons why you'd study it for like policy reasons, but not necessarily for just having the conversations. You can just be open to it in any context. Yeah. yeah, and I think for those of us doing the work, we've been studying the statistics for a while. So we, we've talked about this on this show before. We're in the suicide belt, you know, that is mountain resort communities that, you know, were, were some of the highest rates from, you know, Montana down through the Rocky Mountain region. And typically those rates would be uh, 40 to 60 year old males. And, and our stats did match that for some time until they didn't match that. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, Corinne, but Suicide is the second leading cause of death for teens in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And our stats did not match that at all and have not matched that. So, but we've all been looking at those stats being like, we want to make sure to flood our teachers and students and parents with suicide prevention discussions. Um, I think we've actually, you know, really opened the door to destigmatize a lot of those discussions. And we can be very proud of a lot of our teens that are really keenly aware. And I mean, you can talk about youth mental health first aid too. Yeah. Looks like yeah. we might actually yeah. be getting a caller, so we'll bring them up and see what their question is. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Yeah, I have a question about the, um, the actual incident rate in San Miguel County. Uh, there's a recent article I saw. I couldn't find it just doing a quick Google search, but uh, uh, my recollection is the rate in San Miguel County, maybe just for the last year, was about 16 per 100,000, where several of the other mountain counties are having rates of like 40 to 45, 100,000. Is that just a one-year thing? or um, uh, I mean, it's certainly something to address, but are we really really that bad off? I'm just wondering those, those actual numbers. Thanks, Thank for you. Your, thanks for your question. I don't know if off the top of your head, either of you know statistics? So not necessarily about um, the incidence rates, um, but what I do know, um, speaking with um, the San Miguel County coroner, is that suicide statistics are can be really tricky to pin down so like when you're deeming a death as suicide um, a lot of times that you have to have beyond reasonable doubt to kind of submit that statistic as a suicide so even though that we might have that i don't know what it was 14 per 100,000, but um, they're likely much higher than what we're seeing in statistics Hmm. The good, really good news is um, within the last couple of years, we've hired co-responders, which are mental health professionals that go out with our law enforcement, plain clothed, and they, they, are, they are there to basically be a therapist on scene. Um, and so through some of these deaths by suicide, we've been able to do 
sort of what we call a psych autopsy, where we can unpack what was going on with the person and were they seeking help? What could we have done to prevent it? Um, it's really fantastic. We have an awesome connected team of mental health professionals. So when these types of things happen, we get together and we say, okay, what did we miss as a community? What did we miss as a professional that was working with this person? You, you know, what can we do better for education? I can't say enough about the good work of Tri-County. You know, we recently had a teen suicide, and to our knowledge, it's the first teen suicide in Telluride history. Um, and Tri-County was right there, along with the Center for Mental Health, flooding folks with what they asked for. You know, parents wanted to know, how do I talk to my little ones about suicide? And we were like, whoa, we hadn't thought of that one, like, because a lot of little kids were impacted. And, and, you know, what more can we do for education? So now we have tons of stuff on the books in the next few weeks just around suicide prevention. But really tuning in to where our community is, like, our community has gotten kind of used to talking about suicide we've had a lot of them and so we can lean in and have some of those deeper conversations now mm. well, like you're saying mandy you know our community has recently been you know had to recover in whatever way from from from, the, from recent suicides and i know you both have been involved in those responses over the last few weeks what have you been hearing from folks as you've been having these conversations about the the specific recent suicides we had and, and just what are you hearing from members of our community right now there's, you talked about myths, and there's this rhetoric around make sure you ask for help if you're thinking of completing suicide. Well, that's a deeper conversation to be had um, because certainly we, we can flood people with that information. Make sure you, make sure, you know, why didn't you call me? You, I should have been the one that you called, you know, that, that kind of anger or guilt or frustration. Um, when it comes down to it, a lot of the work that I do in my office is on people learning to cope with their own stuff and be able to in their deepest, darkest moment, find that resilience in them that says, I think I can make it three more hours. Um, that, that oftentimes doesn't happen with a phone call to a friend. It happens with one's self. It happens listening to really sad music and you know, starting to go down these, these spirals in your brain of what if, what if, what if. Um, generally, what folks say to me in my office is they are not wanting to die. They are wanting to stop feeling horrible. They're wanting to stop feeling like they're in pain. Guess what? We have tons that we can do to help people connect so that they feel less in pain. Um, so yeah, no, to build off that, I just, what I'm seeing is people want to talk about their mental health and they want to talk about other people's mental health. Um, since I started my job at Tri-County and I'm really vocal on my Instagram about mental health, I have people reach out all the time, you know, let's meet. Can you run me through, you know, therapy options? Who can I go see? Um, you know, what's available to me? I want to talk about this. And then it always leads into a conversation about, you know, people are, I don't want to say angry, but they're revved up about mental health. Like they don't want to lose anyone else. So people are kind of opening that door and putting themselves in those scenarios of being like, okay, I don't need to just go to therapy when there's a crisis. Like it's okay to do that as a preventative effort. Um, so I just really, what I'm seeing is people really wanting to talk about it and people reaching out for trainings too. Like I have a bunch of organizations, like I want mental health first aid, um, right along with CPR every year for, you know, my new hires and stuff like that. So, um, little by little, I really think that culture is changing. Corinne, mm. you had a, an editorial or an op-ed in the Montrose Daily Press I saw, and you had a pretty shocking statistic in there that you're more likely to need to use mental health first aid than CPR in, in your lifetime. Correct. And that was a, a somewhat arresting statistic. Corinne, uh, what the heck least. is mental health first aid? I'm actually going to pause you quickly because we have a caller, <laughs> and then you're going to answer that. Um, hi, you're live on Kodo. What's your question? Um, it isn't a question. It's a story. Please. Um, 
I have a friend um, who was over for dinner one night, and um, he, and everything seemed just all right. And the next night, he went home and put in a load of laundry, and he hanged himself. And I didn't know why, because everything seemed all right. Mm. So these are very important topics that you're covering, because sometimes you just don't know. I think it's really cool. Thank you for calling in and sharing that story. I think that kind of talks exactly what we want to see is people talking about it and being able to call in on air and share your story is beautiful. So thank you for that. And I'm sorry for your yeah. loss. It was, it was uh, 20 years ago, but yeah, it happened, man. Definitely. Well, thank right. you. Y'all keep talking. Keep talking. Thanks. Have a good night. We hear that so much that it's like, but I just saw them yesterday and they seemed totally fine. They, they were the life of the party or they, they were the one that was always, you know, the mm -hmm. fun one or whatever. And, the, you know, that, that might be one personality type. Um, and the discussions we've been having as a community is some of the people that are carrying the heaviest weight wear it really well, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So just, just knowing that we really don't ever really know what's going on with somebody in those deep, dark moments. And so opening the door that perhaps all of us sometimes have those deep, dark thoughts. It's not just those people over in the corner. It's all right. of us. So how can we collectively talk about how do we cope when we're having the worst right. day? Yeah, and kind of to add on that too, um, according to the Safe Talk class I teach, one in 20 people are thinking of suicide in any kind of given two-week period. So going to what Mandy was talking about earlier, of like suicide, thinking about suicide on a spectrum of like one in 20 people at any time are on that spectrum somewhere. So just like Mandy said, learning that it can be anyone is really important. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, hearing that caller's story, it, it's frightening to think, you know, someone might not show any signs at a dinner and then the next day they they'll they'll die by suicide um good way to dovetail and to mandy's question to corinne which is corinne you teach these mental health first aid courses which offer some tools and just being able to to work through some of these challenging issues can you talk a bit about what mental health first aid is yeah so mental health first aid is a course we actually have three modules an adult class that's for um you know working with your peers that are 18 or older a youth class that's for adults who work with um youth 18 and younger and then we're actually launching a teen course which is for teens to learn how to talk about mental health and basically these modules all talk about um, how to be good noticers, how to see signs and symptoms of different mental health um, challenges or disorders, and then how to talk about them and offer support. We also really focus on local resources to be able to connect for further help. So Mandy talked about the co-responder earlier. That's, we talk about that so much. It's such a good tool that we have in this community. So really that class is just like CPR, but for mental health is like, okay, in this kind of crisis situation, what can you do? But it goes beyond that and saying, okay, when you're not in crisis, what else can you do? Like, mm -hmm. let's just go to therapy on like as a preventative thing. And here's some options and here's how we can help you pay and things like that. Um, and then we also offer a safe talk suicide alertness class, which specifically talks about um, suicide and how to ask someone if they're thinking about suicide, how to offer support and then connect to a suicide intervention caregiver. I don't ask you to summarize a long course in a quick answer, <laughs> but how do you ask someone if they're thinking about suicide? Um, exact, like it's actually really easy. You say, are you thinking of suicide or are you thinking of killing yourself? Because if you say, as humans, we're really scared of the word suicide um, and we need to 
get away from that. Because if you say, oh, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Or, oh, are you thinking of doing something crazy? Something crazy to me might be going to get a tattoo. So that's completely different than, you know, ending your life. So being straight up and saying, are you thinking of suicide and being ready and okay with whatever answer that person gives is really important for you to then help navigate to the correct resources. Mm. Um, I want to turn quickly to the, the co-responder program, which we've been mentioning this program that the, the county has been funding for a while. I think it's the county. It might be other. I believe it's just the county mm-hmm. um, has been funding for a couple of years at this point, I think, um, to, to have... M- trained mental health professionals who can also respond along with law enforcement officials. Mandy, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, as I understand it, you know, you can call 911 and literally request a behavioral health person come and address an issue rather than if you'd, if you'd rather not have, you know, a marshal or a sheriff's deputy come in, you can have a, a trained mental health professional respond to a situation. Is that right? Absolutely. And sometimes it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation over the phone with the mental health professional. Sometimes it's that they'll actually come out into the community. Research says that community-based mental health work is where we want to be doing the work. So ideally, I would be going to see my clients in their home or in the community or at in the classroom with them at school, um, you know, kind of in that natural environment because that's where the triggers and, and the behaviors are happening. So yes, we have um, full-time, 24-7, on-call behavioral health folks with all three law enforcement, Mountain Village, Marshall's Department, and the county, and you can literally just call 911 and say, I'd like to request the mental health person. Um, and like I said, they're plain clothes. They're not, they're not coming out with a gun in their belt or anything like that. Depending on the situation, they may, they may have a law enforcement officer joining them. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar, this is what we were seeing in the medical world over the last, I'd say, decade or so, that folks working in the hospital setting or in, in um, primary care practices were saying, we're finding a lot of our folks are coming in complaining about, say, you know, stomach issues or, or all kinds of medical things. And then once they dug into it, it was actually more mental health related. So that was the same thing that law enforcement was realizing is uh, these calls, you know, initially sound like some fire alarm that requires law enforcement. But once we get there, it might be, you know, a, a heated argument between a couple. It might be a child that's beyond control of their parents. It might be a substance use issue. We were finding it was like half of them were mental health related. Mm. And so wouldn't it be great to not only have the mental health professionals go out, but also train our law enforcement and how to, how to deescalate, how to deal with crisis intervention, um, how to really wrap people in the support that they need, because we don't need to be flooding our hospitals and our jails with folks that are, we're just putting out fires all the time. You know, it's just pull the fire alarm, put out the fire. We want to create a skill set there. So we also do have a, uh, a mental health counselor at our jail as well that meets with folks that are, that are in the jail. Yeah. I was, um, Josh Compt, our, our, our chief marshal, gave a, a report to town council earlier this month. And one of the statistics that, that stuck out to me was he said last year, the marshal's department used that co-responder program 24 times in 2020, all of 2020. And we're about halfway through 2021. And they said they'd already used it 55 times. So it's clearly catching on, which I found very heartening. Yes. Um, listeners, if you're just tuning in, this is off the record tonight. We are chatting about suicide. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness and Recovery Month. If you have a question or a comment about suicide, give us a call, 970-728-4333. We are joined by Corinne Cavender, Behavioral Health Operations Coordinator for Tri-County Health Network, and Mandy Miller, a local licensed professional counselor in private practice. If you have a question or a comment, 970-728-4333. Mandy, before the show, we were talking and and you had mentioned recently you've been having a lot more conversations with local teenagers around issues of mental health and and suicide. And I'm curious if you can just share 
some of the insights you've gained specifically from those conversations you've been having lately, um, just with how some of our local teens are sitting with all this. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to get into some taboos here a little bit, but in the past year we had many, I think I had maybe a dozen just in my practice, um, hospitalizations for folks having serious suicide attempts, many of whom were teens. Um, and so it did open the door for a lot of our teens and their groups of friends to be like, oh my gosh, what role do I need to play in this? Like, how can I help? Um, so there is that like fire alarm moment, which is someone's thinking about completing suicide or maybe they have an attempt. And I'd love to just kind of walk through what that looks like because I think people don't know what that looks like. Um, so you may call, you know, law enforcement, you may call 911, you may go to the med center, you may come and see a therapist like me, you may call a suicide helpline. Um, but the really good news is that we have really trauma-informed, really supportive care around suicide and suicide attempts now. We now have a 24-7 crisis walk-in center in Montrose that does not feel like a hospital. It feels very home-like. You have like a, you would get a bedroom there, and it feels very cozy. Um, so when I say hospitalized, if someone has a serious plan to kill themselves or kill someone else, that's when per our law, we can potentially have somebody assessed to be hospitalized, basically to stay overnight, to be continually assessed because they're potentially a threat of harm to themselves or others. It's a really, really scary time when you're a friend of someone like that or a family member of somebody that's having deep, dark thoughts, um, or obviously if you're the person experiencing that. So in this last year during COVID, we saw a lot of it, but I'm really grateful because we opened the doors for a lot of conversations. So for instance, I've had several teams who have had serious attempts and are now witnessing these suicides we're having in our community after they've already been hospitalized, having what they thought was going to be a lethal attempt um, maybe a few months ago, and then being able to sit and say, how are you feeling now about it? And them saying, wow, I'm so glad I didn't do it. I'm so glad I didn't do it. And that's 100% of the time what I hear. I didn't, I didn't realize the impact it would have on my community. I didn't realize that it wasn't going to solve my problem. But here I am now. I'm not perfect. I, 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 have, I haven't totally healed from this. I'm now still navigating anxiety and depression and all this leftover residue. But the good news is folks are talking. And sometimes I'll have teens that'll bring in a group of their friends into my office because they all want to address something that was said on Snapchat that day. <laughs> you know, and they want to they lean in and they want to talk about it because there's some really vicious stuff that happens, you know, with cyberbullying or, or all different stuff online. Um, so, yeah, again, I think right now we found some of the language and we're willing to build some of those social skills so that we can connect. It doesn't just happen in my office. I don't have a monopoly as a therapist in this community. It's happening with all of us, you know, all the time. So, um, Corinne, you also work with teens a ton. So what are you seeing? Yeah, I think very similar to what you're saying is teens aren't innately taught or like in themselves to not talk about mental health we as a society teach them to be scared of having the conversations or that they're private conversations where what I'm seeing is kind of from the teen level up, like they're teaching us how to have the conversations. They're being open. They want to talk. They want to learn. Um, they're not, you know, shying away. Um, so I think we kind of need to follow their example and be brave. Um, I know I coached volleyball at the high school last year and many of those girls would, you know, have a conversation with me very seriously about their day. And it was super normal. Um, um, which, you know, I thought was really cool of them. And they taught me a lot of how to normalize those conversations. So I just think we need to, <laughs> teens are way smarter than we think they are. So we just got to follow their lead on this one. Mm. Um, I asked you both to um, select a couple of um, songs before this show, just songs that you like listening to. And I think it's always nice around halfway through to 
take a quick breather and um, jump out and then jump back in. So we're actually going to take a quick little break. And um, Corinne, I'm going to start with one of uh, your songs, which was Keep the Blues Away by By and By. Do you want to say why you chose this song? Um, so it's actually by Camp. Oh. Um, the album is By and By. There we go. And <laughs> I love Camp. I just saw them at Red Rocks. And I already loved this song, but seeing it live at Red Rocks the first time really just kind of made it my go-to song when I'm feeling blue here's keep the blues away by camp stay tuned listeners we'll be back in just under four minutes this is off the record on koto one two three And told me no one ever got the reason why I turned up in a casino With my hands up ready to fight The whole damn mariachi band Playing the same tune twice
blues away Blues Away by the band Camp, selected by Corinne Cavender. Really great song choice. Thank you. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, this is Off the Record. I'm Matt Hoist from the Kodo News Team. We are joined by Corinne Cavender, Behavioral Health Operations Coordinator with Tri-County Health Network, and Mandy Miller, a local licensed professional counselor in private practice for a conversation about suicide, behavioral health, mental health. Um, September is Suicide prevention and awareness and recovery month and it's important to have these conversations whenever we can so we are devoting our hour tonight to that conversation if you have a question or a comment give us a call 970-728-4333 once again 970-728-4333 a question i will just throw out for both of you either one can can answer um for anyone who is thinking about maybe going to see a therapist going to counseling maybe who's never been what happens during counseling? What happened to that mysterious couch that everyone did? <laughs> it's from the movies. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think it's really difficult to first call a counselor and make that first appointment. Um, and second, to show up for that appointment. And third, to, to decide if you're going to come back for another one. Um, we have incredible counselors in our community. I mean, truly incredible that can meet... I mean, for such a small town, we have folks with all kinds of specialties that can really wrap folks in support. We also have free teletherapy Mm -hmm. through Tri-County Health Network, which would be like your Zoom counseling, um, where you can access counselors all over the country. They're not not all in the state, are they? They're all Colorado licensed clinicians. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, So, yeah, what it looks like, I, I think... There's a lot of stigma around it, and for those that have been to counseling, they, they may know that, that it's, it's not as scary as one might think. I usually tell folks when they call me for the first time, um, I'm sarcastic, I cuss, I'm, I'm fun, like we might mm-hmm. laugh. Like If you couldn't tell, man, you're <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can make even the, the most tense couples counseling sessions a little bit fun and we can laugh a little bit. Um, but the important thing is you want to find a counselor that's the right fit for you. And that's really important to me that, that you want to find somebody that you do feel like you can feel uh, cozy and homelike with. That's really welcoming. That's, that's going to hold space for your story. I can tell you during COVID things shifted a little bit in my practice, which was um uh, most of us needed someone to talk to and we weren't mm-hmm. able to necessarily hold space for each other because we were all going through this collective muck together. So mm-hmm. if Corinne were to call me and be like, oh my God, I had the worst day, I'd be like, no, that's just like what I went through today. And, and that's like, we're almost like competing for each other's time and space because we're all dealing with mm-hmm. our max capacity level of stress and anxiety and, and fear of the unknown, et cetera. So, so a lot of what I did was really just listening in, in my office. And I got up to, I'm up to 260 clients, which is an insane amount of clients super grateful that folks are seeking services but a lot of our local counselors just filled practices this year and we get together monthly for lunch and we would talk about okay who are we seeing well we're finally seeing older men that typically wouldn't seek counseling we're Mm -hmm. finally seeing a lot more teens uh both male and female you know seeking counseling we're seeing more families so it's folks just being like i can't take it anymore we need to talk Mm -hmm. um and so in my office we deal with all kinds of things it can be marital problems it can be um stress over cyberbullying. it can be i'm 
really considering leaving this job, but I don't have housing, you know? Mm. So it's just kind of the functional daily life stresses. And when they become insurmountable or just so strong, it's getting in the way of my sleep. It's getting in the way of my relationships. It's getting in the way of my ability to focus at school. It's like, it's in the way now. So we need to actually be able to unpack it and address it. I see a variety of level of anxiety and depression and, and those are the kind of the main ones. And then I would pair with that substance use. About 80% of my clients also um, struggle with some sort of substance use, whether it be their own substance use or, or with loved ones or people in their family. Um, we're a party town, so there's no doubt mm -hmm. about it. We're a party town with a party culture. And so there, the intensity is pretty strong around that. Um, so yeah, so we're addressing all kinds of risk levels and kind of what Corinne was alluding to. They may call me first when they're in a red light place, when it's a crisis, but then what we're working on is trying to get them back down to green light and just dancing between green light and yellow light so that we maybe have fewer red lights. And so that takes some deeper work, you know, of building some skills around how do I cope when... I thought I was going to go back to school and not wear masks, and now we're wearing masks again. Ugh, you know? Right. And on top of that, this and this and this and this and this, it's already going on in my life um, so that we can learn how to cope with our own stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, my therapy sessions are, I use our teletherapy program um, and I absolutely adore my therapist. And how it works for me is I log in at noon on Wednesdays. We either, if I'm, so it's kind of like two different scenarios for me. I either need to still process things from my past um, that were traumatic and kind of still um, having some invasive thoughts in my life. Um, they can be really sad. Like um, there was an anniversary of a friend who died and I was really upset about it. So we went through those emotions. But then there's a lot of weeks where I'm actually feeling really good. And those have become my favorite weeks. Used to be where I was like, oh, I feel good. I don't need to go to therapy. Like I'm gonna cancel my appointment. Where now I'm like, no, I feel great. Today we're gonna use like some self work. Like I'm gonna get skills, coping mechanisms, all that. So when things do get hard and life does kind of go that other way and swing that pendulum of being more difficult, I have the skills and I'm ready. So it doesn't become a crisis. So it's very preventative for me and I definitely feel like the personal growth through it. So it's really cool. Mm. <laughs> Uh, someone texted in a question. Uh, what should people look for when they're trying to find the right fit in a counselor? For me, I think that finding the right balance of how, like, if you want your therapist to share their story too. So I'm very much like, oh, I want to know why you got into therapy. I want to know your background. Like, tell, like, there's so many times where I'm, I'm in therapy and I'm like, tell me about your day or like, tell me about your breakup or like whatever it is. But a lot of people don't like that. They just want to talk about what the, what's going on in their life. So kind of having that understanding and that balance there, but finding a therapist is like dating. Like you potentially, I mean, maybe you, it's love at first sight and you find the first one and it's perfect. Um, but you do have to kind of put that commitment into finding that right one for you. Most of our local therapists will do like a free 15 to 30 minute consult on the phone or in person because we, we want you to shop around for the mm -hmm. right fit. And I want folks to tell me if I'm the right fit. They also might see me for three to five sessions and then realize just like with dating that this isn't going well. <laughs> um, so, so I would say definitely look for a feedback informed therapist. Um, at the end of each session, I usually say to folks like, how did this feel for you? Like, I want to hear what I need to keep doing, stop doing and start doing so that this can, you can get your needs. This is your time. Mm -hmm. Um, it is absolutely your time. I also learned as a therapist, I've, I've thrown out a lot of my modalities, like the thing that the sticky things that I would go to, you know, certain assessments or certain, certain, like I said, modalities. And we're, I'm really just sitting with you. We're unpacking what you want to talk about, um, at, at the pace that you want to go when, and if you're ready. So I would say you want to find somebody that's going to individuate the counseling to your needs and what's mm -hmm. going on with you. Uh, I didn't mention this before. 
counseling has a lower chance of working if somebody's making their loved one go to counseling. Mm -hmm. So if a mom is making their son come to me or a husband is making their wife come to me, or I get a lot of calls of like, we need to get our friend into rehab. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's less likely to work if, if someone isn't really bought into the idea that this potentially could be helpful for them. Mm. I um, love that you both um, mentioned teletherapy and the fact that you can have non-local therapists even, you know, to talk to. Because I think I'm, you know, one barrier in our small community is that I think a lot of people are worried to talk about people that you're probably going to see at the buck at some point in the <laughs> next two weeks. That can be a, a barrier to entry. So it's really great to know that that sort of teletherapy option is an option for someone who you're much less likely to see in the buck. Um, another barrier to entry, I would imagine also just is the, the financial aspect of it. The fact that therapy isn't free. People like Mandy have to, to make a living somehow. Um, but I also do know that our community has a lot of resources to at least make that barrier a little bit less intimidating. Um, Corinne, can you talk about some of the options that, that folks around here have to make seeking those resources less financially intimidating? Absolutely. Um, so another really cool thing about our county is the San Miguel Behavioral Health Solutions Panel allocated dollars, um, is actually because of COVID, to the Good Neighbor Fund, um, specifically for behavioral health services. So if you wanted to go see Mandy, but um, couldn't afford it, you could fill out this application and then get your services covered up to um, $1,500. Um, to then go have that service without having to worry about the cost. Um, the solutions panel is currently um, in the works and fine tuning a different model that's a little bit easier to apply for and kind of covers a bigger range of people um, of, you know, a little bit, it's a little more inclusive of different financial statuses. Um, so really, I would say if you need help um, paying for therapy services and you don't know how to navigate it, um, email me because I know the ins and outs and when that new program is going to launch. But um, really, if you live or work in San Miguel County, there are financial assistance resources for you for therapy services. What's your email? My email is ocbh at tchnetwork.org. And you can find the application at sanmiguelbehavioralhealth.org. I still find it remarkable that we, our, our county has devoted financial resources to making um, mental health services more accessible. I think that's really And let's speak again. That was our community that did that. Right. So a few years ago, we got together and did a mill levy, and the community said the four categories we want to address more of is suicide prevention, behavioral health in the schools, substance use, and crisis. Is that right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, behind the scenes, there's been a lot more programming going on, say at the med center and with the co-responder team and in the schools, um, really being able to wrap folks in support. But then the other thing that, you know, when COVID hit, we're like, folks are going to need a counselor. So <laughs> then we were able to draw from, and so that's coming out of all, thank you community. It's coming out of our, all of our property tax and we have this bucket of money and we can say, yeah, I, I think we can all agree as a community that folks should not be told no when they want to go see a counselor. Mm. Listeners, if you are just tuning in, it's off the record. We are chatting this hour about suicide and mental health. September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness and Recovery Month. If you have a question about suicide, mental health, just anything in that in that area of questions or comments, give us a call 970-728-4333, 970-728-4333. The moral of the hour is that talking about these issues is one of the essential things that we need to do. Um, I just want to kind of throw out a blanket question at this point. You know, we're talking about therapy, but I also know there are other resources or opportunities available in our community. And I'll just throw out a general question to both of you. Are there any other resources that you would want to highlight um, for our listeners to know about for ways that they can support their own mental health, the mental health of loved ones, anything else that you would want to direct folks toward? 
So we talked about those mental health first aid classes and safe talk classes um, at the beginning of the show. And we have two local ones coming up. So we have on Monday, the 13th, I think, um, we have a youth mental health first aid class in Ridgeway. Um, and that's all day. Um, and I, me and my coworker, Maria, are going to teach that. I'm going to cut you off because we have a call. Perfect. And then we're going to pick this up in a, a sec. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi, this is Valentina. Hi, Valentina. Hi. Um, I was listening in, and I worked up the courage to come and give my comment. Of, um, I think that as a society, um, we've kind of habituated the good old, how are you, um, when you introduce um, someone or you've seen someone. Um, and I, I find oftentimes... Like, a lot of people don't even wait for a response, or they jump into what they want to talk to you about, or, um, you know, it's kind of just dismissed, or you just, it's habitually like, oh, yeah, I'm good, thanks, how are you? And, um, you know, it's such a personal question, and I, um, I often, like, find myself reflecting on, like, how to approach that in a more mindful way, and that if I'm actually going to ask someone how they are, I, I'm making it a point to listen to them and really care about like what they have to say as opposed to it being such a you know quick way to greet someone. Hmm. That's awesome. Thank you, Valentina. Yeah, Valentina, I love that. <laughs> I had a high school English teacher tell me that good is never good. Like you never want to use that word. It's not descriptive enough. So I think having those conversations that you're starting are really important so thank you and i like what you said about make sure yeah. that you have the time and space um so even if you don't at that moment to say hey i'm really glad i ran into you and i really want to unpack this more do you think we could find a time to have a coffee because your story is really important to me and i want to hear it mm. yeah yeah taking it that step further of like hey like well let, you know we haven't seen each other in a while i really like to touch base with you more get uh you know a little more um, in depth of what's really been going on in your life, like taking it that extra step um, is huge, especially if you really, you know, have a good relationship with this person and you care about them. Um, I understand that it's kind of hard to break that habit because it's habitual everywhere we go, you know, it's kind of our, our go-to greeting, but um, just throwing it out there for people just to kind of have that second thought next time they, they do say that about it. Like, do I... Am I asking this because I really want to know, or am I asking this because of, it's a habit? Mm. Thanks so much for throwing that out there, Valentina. Really appreciate it. And um, have a good rest of your night, and thanks for tuning in. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for having this conversation. Have a good night. Thanks. See ya. Um, Corinne, you were talking about mental health first aid. Yes. So... Just to reiterate, we have a class on Monday in Ridgeway. If you're interested in signing up, you can visit the Tri-County Health Network website. And then we also have a Safe Talk Suicide Alertness class in Telluride on the 21st. And we have still some spaces in that class. Same website to register, tchnetwork.org. Um, and that one is from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Um, and then kind of to finish the month is my favorite part, is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention out of the darkness walk.
walk, which is on September 26th. And that's really a time just to come together as a community. It's fun. We have a silent auction. We'll have speeches. We're hoping to have some music there. And then we just do a quick walk down Main Street with some signs. And, um, you know, if you feel like hooting and hollering, you can hoot and holler. But if you need a moment of silence, you can do so. Um, Then we kind of wrap up with a finishing the auction. So that's really a good time. And I really encourage people um, to visit the website and register. So that website is afsp.org backslash SWCO. So you can register, you can fundraise, you can get involved that way, um, or you can just show up to the walk and be there with us. And um, really the theme of the walk, um, Lolly Lavercombe and Kara Wilder are co-chairs on that walk with me. And we really wanted the theme of that walk to be hope. Um, We want to hold space to memorialize those we have lost. We really want to shed light on the people who are still fighting in our community because there's a lot of them. And we think it's beautiful that they're still um, kind of going through their struggles. And we want to kind of bring that to light and say, okay, there's people here struggling and they're still here. So let's celebrate that. Mm. And it actually is fun. I'm not a big fan of like these kinds <laughs> of walks and um, we've been doing them for a few years now and it's, it's a, they, they've always been fun. It's super connecting. It's really uplifting. You know, we have an amazing community around this and that our community wants to say we want to have one. I mean, not every town does these walks, mm-hmm. you know, so that we even have one in our town is super fun. There's an awesome silent auction too that I usually score. No, I don't even want to tell you guys about it because I want to <laughs> win them all. I want to win them all. <laughs> and I do have to say the sponsorship sponsorships this year have been absolutely incredible. We've had a lot of cash sponsorships and then a lot of local organizations giving us in-kind donations, whether that be coffee for the morning or things for the silent auction. And before, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the walk yet and I'm already so excited and it feels like it's going to be a really big event this year. So I encourage you to make teams. You can have a fundraising team. You can set a goal. Um, We have a couple of teams on there already, but it'd be great to have more. Um, But yeah, we're hoping it's big and it's great and we all come together to show that we love each other and we're not scared to talk about suicide and mental health. Mm -hmm. So I was meeting with a young teen today um, and mentioned that I was going to be going on the radio with <laughs> Corinne. It's going to be a big deal. And um, this is this is a team that really, really struggled over the last year. And I, and I said, where, where are you now? I'd love to know, like, give me a little bit of a, um, like a, a gauge. And she said, she said it was okay for me to share this. She said, I know now that I can be happy and I can be less anxious, not because everything is good and everything is going well, but because I can choose to be happy. Mm. And, I mean, this is from a young teen. And I was like, whoa, I think I kind of just figured out that concept in the last couple (laughs) of years. Um, But that to me is what hope is, that she's choosing to wake up every morning and saying, even though my circumstances are not where I would ideally want them to be, and I know they're going to continue to not be awesome, Mm -hmm. I can be happy. Mm. Um, You both mentioned this idea, kind of especially when it comes to therapy, you know, doing doing the work. we got a lot of work to do, kind of doing that personal work. Just for both of you, I mean... what does doing that work mean or look like? Because I do think it's, it can feel a bit vague just in your experience. What, what is the, the nitty gritty work of getting to a place where you can feel good and comfortable in your life? So think about physical health. Doing the work for your physical health is, you know, going to get a checkup every year, going to the dentist, going to get your eyes checked, and then following up with whatever recommendations they're giving. So I have to wear contacts, going to buy my contacts, um, going to get, you know, whatever medication. It's the same kind of thing. You go to therapy. It doesn't need to be this big, scary, like, oh, 
this big task I have to do. You just go to therapy. <laughs> you just have that conversation, sit in that room and be uncomfortable. And um, the personal work, it'll just be kind of born out of that. So really it's just doing, or if it's not therapy, being really intentional, like maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's really intentional hike that you do by yourself every week that you, you know, really settle in with your feelings and try to understand them. Whatever your thing is, is just doing it and being consistent with it and putting yourself first. Um, it doesn't need to be this like, you know, big, big deal. It can just be so normal, like going to get a checkup. Yeah. That three-legged stool of work, life, play, balance. And I do a lot of work at the ski resort where I, I coach the, the folks up there around mental health. And when I say that, I get a lot of laughs because they're like, as if I have time <laughs> for work, life, and play. Don't you know that we binge work around here and then we save up for play for off season? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the message is it's every day, all day investing in your wellness. Even if it means crawling under your desk at work and taking a five minute nap, that's going to get you through the day. That's much better than outsourcing good sleep until November when we have some time off. Um, so just like Corinne said, I tell, I tell clients all the time, if there's a bunch of bananas, I get the first one. I fill my cup first so that I have a shot of going out and being, you know, a rock star in this community and, and even connecting with anyone. Um, so it's, it's finding those things that do fill your cup, that allow you to have that wellness, that allow you to be flexible and problem solve and, and tolerate your frustrations. Um, because just like the girl said that I just mentioned, you can't control the chaos around you. It's going to keep on coming. I can't control if there's going to be some meanie head in my life today. <laughs> you know, they're going to keep coming. So what do I do to continue to fill my cup? Mm. It is, I feel like for, for me personally, realization I've come to in the last, you know, few years, I guess, this idea of, you know, especially, the, you know, behavioral health upkeep. It's not really a, it's not like a zero sum thing that you can just kind of like save up and just do it all in like a month and then for the rest of the year not do it. And mm-hmm. it kind of works out. It's like this thing that, you know, just perpetually needing to kind of replenish that and take the time and make it a practice rather than just kind of something you you cram. Right, and it could be an empowering action. So like when I go to therapy, I feel like, I don't know, I I wanted to swear, but I just feel so like cool and great and so confident. And then I'm able to the rest of the week just be like so excited and ready to go um, as opposed to being like, oh, I have therapy. Like even like when I take my meds, I'm like, like right when I pop them, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing this for me. Like I rock. It's kind of that thing of just having it being an empowering thing of like, I am doing something, even if it doesn't make my life better today, I'm doing something that's going to make my life better eventually. Mm. Um, for both of you, I think I've asked you each this question at one point months ago at different conversations, but I'm going to ask it again. And I'm curious if your responses have maybe changed. Um, you get a magic wand and you get to, to change one thing. I knew in this our was coming. Community. I, <laughs> that's a really good question though. <laughs> <laughs> you get to change one thing in our community um, to, to improve our communal behavioral health practices or just environment. What, what is something you would, you would both change if you get your magic wand? It's so funny for me. I don't think it would be a change. I think it's a keep doing. So mm. when I moved here, I came from mountains and festivals. I, I had no idea we were such a connected community. I'll never forget. I was walking down the street, looking at my phone and Glider Bob said to me, we don't look at our phones when we're walking down the street here. We look up. He said, I heard your name is Mandy, right? Hi, Mandy. (laughs) And I want to maintain that in our Mm -hmm. community. I want to keep the friendship benches all, you know, especially in front of Copy Cowboy, but all around town. I want to keep saying hi. Um, We know the opposite of the deep, dark stuff is connection. So it's going to be connection to each other, to nature, to to our awesome community, to keeping us all housed, you know, all of those Mm -hmm. things. So let's let's keep doing it. Mm. Corinne. 
If I had a magic wand, I think I would... So what I'm seeing right now is our community does believe that mental health and physical health are intertwined and that they're just as important. But what I'm not necessarily seeing is the action to, you know, take the classes, to have the conversations or to be the person that kind of pushes that envelope where people are kind of sitting back and being like, yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. But not necessarily being like, okay, I'm going to do something that shows that I think, you know, mental health is just as important as physical health. So for example, most people have taken a CPR class in this community. Most people, well, a lot of people in this community have taken mental health first aid, but majority still haven't. So if, you know, you really think that those two things are together, put your money where your mouth is, you know, read books, you know, talk about it, talk about it with your friends, say like, you know, like Valentina was saying, don't say, how are you? Say like, you know, how are you doing? How's your mental health? Like what's going on? Like really put yourself in the spaces to be making those changes because we all need to make those little changes to then kind of make sure that mental health is getting the integrity it deserves. Mm. Well, we only have a few minutes left and we are going to get to Mandy's song actually to close out. But before we do that, um, are there just any closing thoughts either of you would like to share before we wrap up this hour? I actually have one. Um, so going back to the cancer example, um, you know, let's say I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I might go through chemo. I might have lots of meds. I might go through this really, really um, intense treatment. And then I still might die from cancer. That doesn't mean we stop fighting for those who get cancer in the future. Same thing with suicide. You know, we can help people. We can, you know, do all of the things. And a lot of times we can prevent suicide, but sometimes we won't. But that doesn't mean we stop fighting for those people who are going to have suicidal thoughts in the future. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hold those dichotomies. It's hard to hold in one hand over here. We, we grieve the loss of those that we loved. And in this other hand over here, we don't stop the fight and we don't stop um, leaning in. You know, I've been through a lot of suicides in this community and kind of held space for the community. And Corinne and I talk mm -hmm. after almost every one. And I, I keep saying, I'm feeling more and more hopeful in the ways that we're able to open the doors for these conversations, that people are approaching us and wanting to, wanting to talk and wanting to, um, examine and hold up mirrors. And, and like I said, it doesn't just happen in the counseling office. It happens, you know, in the community with all of our conversations. And thanks to a lot of the mental health first aid and the destigmatizing, we have more of a language now in saying it's okay to talk about this stuff. I love it when like an older traditional father brings their kid into my office and is like, <laughs> we're going to talk, you know, <laughs> like that. that wouldn't have necessarily happened in my family. So, mm -hmm. so just being able to say, okay, let's, let's not scare away from it. Let's talk about it. I usually say whatever's in the way is the way. Mm -hmm. So whatever your, you know, number one thing is that's, that's your struggle in your life. We're going to need to swim through it to be able to build some skills and get out the other side. Um, and we can. Where, where's that t-shirt whatever is, in the way <laughs> is the way i would i would buy that t-shirt um as corinne cavender is a behavioral health operations coordinator with the tri-county health network mandy miller is a licensed professional counselor locally to both of you as always such a just a delight to chat with two knowledgeable lovely folks such as yourselves um and listeners as promised at the top of the hour um, always want to attach these that the, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. There's also the Colorado Crisis and Support Line, 1-844-493-TALK. It's 1-844-493-8255. Both are 24-7 in English and Spanish. Um, is there a website you would direct folks to for just a bunch of the local resources? We've talked about a good central location. 
So this is another resource I didn't actually plug already. Tri-County Health Network has a behavioral health directory that covers our entire coverage area, and that's at tchnetworkdirectory.org. You can find mental health professionals, peer support, self-help, all that good stuff there. God bless. Mandy, as promised, we're going out with your song, Back to the Earth by Rusted Root. Why do you listen to this song when you want to get pumped up? Because it takes you on a journey. It starts out slow, and then it kind of builds up, and so it's kind of like you're going into that deep, dark hole, and then by the end of it, you might be dancing. So enjoy. All right, listeners, you might be dancing. I'm Matt Hoist with the Kodo News team. Thank you for tuning in for Off the Record. Have a great rest of your night. Minute of visions of me, minute of visions of me, minute of visions of me.